Welcome to Ink and Magic, a podcast where we read and discuss the writing craft, world building, and romance of paranormal and fantasy novels. If you love books with bite, set in worlds of magic and mayhem, then you're in the right place. My name's Nikisha Shanae. I go by an S. And I'm Leslie. I write as El Penelope. And welcome to the show. So we're back this week with another craft episode. This time, it's one of my very favorite tropes, which is enemies to lovers. And I don't know why I love this so much, but I do want to break it down. Like, what is enemies to lovers? Why do we love it? When when does it work? When does it not work? And some of my favorite examples. And yeah. So Inez, are you a big fan of this trope as well? I am a big fan of reading it. I cannot write it because I can't make a hero be mean to the heroine. <laughs> that is tough. That is really tough too. Yeah, I, I've dabbled with it a couple of times. I I like Forbidden Romance, mm. um, my first series, Earthsinger Chronicles. They weren't necessarily enemies in the first book. Now, the second book, uh, they is literally about an assassin falling in love with the man she's supposed to be killing. And then the third book is also an enemies to lovers. Uh, so I do play around with it. I don't know that I've gotten it to where I want it to be, but it is something that is always, it always grips me. Like if I see it in a subtitle, I, I take notice and I'm like, hmm, what is that? I like that. So basically, you know, enemy lovers is what it sounds like. It is people who are on opposite sides of something. And there's different levels, I think, of eneminess. And so what you're talking <laughs> about is, yeah, are they extreme enemies? Is this a Hatfield and McCoy's type of situation? Or is it just sort of more rivals? And it's been called rivals to lovers, too, which I think is actually a slightly different subtrope. I think so, because you know why? I'm realizing that all of my favorite air quotes enemies to lovers is when the hero is has always secretly been in love with her. He just didn't know how to express it or the mm-hmm. only time she paid attention to him was when he was mean right or if there's some kind of big misunderstanding at the very beginning mm-hmm. that makes it seem like you know he but he yes he still loves her from the very beginning or he, he's very interested in her from the very beginning but he gets a signal from her that she's not so it goes underground and then it becomes this this quote-unquote hatred and so The Hating Game by Sally Thorne mm-hmm. is one of the, you know, modern, amazing versions of this, one of the best enemies to lover stories of the modern era. And I just rewatched the movie actually recently. Um, I have to interrupt Leslie because Leslie will usually read a book, love it, and then be a grump about the movie. But not this time. You like the book. Uh-oh. I, the Ooh. second time around, I like the movie better. Um the first time, I have a tough time with adaptations across the board. Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. When I read a book first and then watch the movie, it's very difficult for me to look at the movie on its own, unless it's been a really long time. Now, the Hating Game is a book I loved so much. That I read the end. I went back to the beginning and immediately, mm. in the same sitting, read it again. That is how much I love The Hating Game. The movie version, I mean, it could not possibly live up to that hype. So the first time I saw it, I was I was actually kind of lukewarm. The second time through, after what it's been like two years or so, hmm. I appreciated it a lot more because well, I, there was space story. and time. Yeah. So what is this story? What is for some for those of us who haven't read the Hated Game, and if this seems to like your quintessential enemies to lovers, what is this story? So this particular story is a company, a publishing company that is comprised of two. Op- opposing companies that have been forced to merge. So we have our 
artsy, you know, love of the book, loosey-goosey hippies of the art world where our heroine uh, works and then the more corporate, you know, buttoned up suited um, publishing company where the hero works. And the heroine and the hero are the assistants to the, the co-CEOs, I think they are. And they actually work facing each other in the same office. And so they have this hating game, which is what she calls it, Lucy, and uh, where they annoy each other. They do not like each other. They have very opposing styles from the way they dress to their organizational styles to everything. And, you know, long story short, he has actually been in love with her since the very first day. And whatever their first meeting was, it went off the rails. He just broke, he was just broken up with, right? I think so. He had been recently broken up with, which is why he took this job in the first place. Um, I can't remember the exact- Used hmm? him or something? No, the girlfriend married his brother. Yes. His ex-girlfriend married his brother in this, in the book, in the story. Uh, they, you know, the the brother's wedding is a part of it, and he has to go to his brother's wedding. He doesn't want to go. He brings her, but doesn't tell her up front that this is his ex-girlfriend, who he dated for a year, who then went and married his brother. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember exactly the initiation of that first meeting between the two of them when she thinks that he hates her or how that came about, but it was essentially some kind of misunderstanding because he walked away, you know, they walked away from that meeting with very different ideas and it took a really long time for her to realize that he had always been in love with her. And yeah, I think that's one of the hallmarks of a really great enemies to lovers when they're only enemies because of not necessarily a misunderstanding, but because for whatever reason they can't, uh, communicate effectively their actual feelings for each other. I have two thoughts. One thought is, I wonder if the reason that adaptations are hit or miss for you, I wonder if it might have to even do with point of view, because this, the book was just Lucy's Mm -hmm. point of view, but in the nature of a film, you get more people's stories because the camera is not just in one person's head. The camera roams around. I wonder if that has something to do with it. That could be part of it. I mean, I think that it's probably a lot of reasons. You know, the script, this was very faithful. This particular movie was a faithful adaptation, as, as faithful as they can be. And it had, the structure was there. It was something, it was just like the soul of it. It was such a soulful book to me. Mm-hmm. And the first time around, I just wasn't feeling the heart and soul of the movie. Mm. I did, you know, it grew on me. I liked it more the second time around. And so that could be part of it too. Hmm. But POV is really interesting because a lot of these books, a lot of times it works because we're only getting one side's POV. You can do a lot as an author when you have to intuit or hint at the other side's motivations for what they're actually doing. That's a really good point about enemies to lovers, because if you understand both sides, then you, the tension is broken for you because you know, as the reader, you know why they're doing what it is that they're Mm -hmm. doing. So it's a great trick. Not all the time, but so many of them are single perspective. And then maybe you'll get, you know, as with indie books, you might get, um, you know, an extra epilogue or something from the other side, which is usually the hero's perspective. We're usually in the heroine's perspective. The hero is, you know, in heterosexual romance, the hero is usually the one who is meaner, I guess you could say, mean one and who is doing something mean to our heroine. And 
yeah, it's not knowing the reason why really helps in creating the tension, as you said, mm -hmm. that sort of emotional intensity and keeping it mysterious, keeping the hero mysterious for the reader until the end. The other thought that I had was the fun and games, because I think there's a structure to enemies to lovers and there's obligatory scenes. And there's always going to be that, oh my gosh, they don't hate me. And I think that comes in. So I love fun and games, but I think a, a different structure or another framework to think about this is, we, you know how save the cat, Blake Snyder save the cat, instead of act one, act two, act three, there's the thesis, the antithesis, and then the synthesis, right? So the thesis is, he hates me. The antithesis is he loves or he likes me or he doesn't hate me so much. And then that's what the fun and games becomes about. It becomes about proving that what I thought that he didn't like me isn't, that's not the truth. So you begin poking at that because maybe the start of, of act two, maybe it starts with an accidental kiss example it's an early it's early for a kiss first of all i never remember the antithesis thesis thing of save the cat is that actually in the book no like it's a part, it's that, on, it's a oh, part of remember so i never site and they do these deep dives and they they go into it on the site but i i do think that's interesting so the fun and games section of a romance is you know in the beginning of act two kind of the first half of act two where they fall in love and they have your dates and this is sort of when they're getting to know each other so in an enemies to lover story it is about disproving the idea that the hatred is, is real, that they're actually enemies or forcing them to work together in some way. So let's, I want to play with that. So we're, a typical romance, the fun and games, it's it's getting to know each other. Mm -hmm. Enemies to lovers, they already know, think they know each other. So then it becomes about that flipping that, getting to really know, because they don't. It's like disproving systematically everything that they thought they knew and mm. turning it on the head. Yeah, I think so. Um, whether they whether they meet on the page or whether they've known each other for a long time, the fact that they believe themselves to be enemies indicates that at least in the first act, they think they have each other's number. Like mm -hmm. They know what the other person is about. And so, yeah, it's about changing the lens through which they look at the other person to be more aligned with reality, the reality of the situation. And then you have that, the change point, that crack in the armor, which is my very favorite scene or set of scenes, which is when you as the reader really understand, you see them going from totally cold and exemplifying the quote unquote hatred to, oh no, they really do like her. Um, like That scene in the hating game, for me, I think it was, she gets sick after playing paintball on this company retreat and he just takes care of her. He takes her home. He's there with her the whole time. He brings in his brother who we know he's estranged from because he, the brother is a doctor to take, you know, her temperature and give her medicine and stuff. And he's really proving that, oh no, he, someone who hates you wouldn't do all of this, wouldn't go through all of this. And it's just the sweetest thing ever. It is. And those scenes, when you see that crack happen, mm -hmm. it's like crack. It's like the drug. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> so why? why I love enemies to, to lovers romances. But you say that there's sometimes that it can, that it does not work. For me, it doesn't work when he's too mean. Mm. And that's, I think it's going to be a personal preference and everyone's threshold is going to be different. 
like, you know, bully romance has been big. Um, and I don't know, are those enemies to lovers? And do you ever see cracks? I don't read enough of them or any of them to know if that's the case. But it turns me off when there's too much meanness. Yeah. And I don't know, or I've never given the knowledge that he's actually harbored feelings for her the whole time, or this was all just a mask. That's when I'm, I'm personally turned off by it. I agree. I 1000% agree with you. I think I don't think I'm wrong in saying that our favorite bully romance is that Charlotte Stein bully romance. Which isn't really a bully romance. I know it's not because it all happens off screen. Yeah, we have to look up the, the name of this book. Sorry, but guys. <laughs> do that. But we know what we're talking about. No, we should look it up so we can say it. Like We're editing. It's fine. Yeah, because I remember in... Um, okay, Char it's Never Sweeter. Never so Charlotte sweeter. Stein's book, it's called Never Sweeter. And it, it the whole thing is, I mean... This was bad bullying. So before the written the first chapter, before the events of the novel, the hero was part of this crew of bullies that literally ran her off the road. It caused lots of physical injuries that she's still recovering from. I mean, it's it's hard. This is not a Charlotte Stein just to begin reading her with. <laughs> you have to really love her style to be able to follow this. this and Charlotte you Stein didn't 401. Yeah, like, did you finish it the first time? I think, didn't it take you a couple times to get through this one? No, I think I, I, I think I finished it the first time because we didn't see, when we meet him, he is, he's remorseful. Yes, he he's remorseful. He's initially, you know, she's thinking this is still a trick. You know, he's one of these people who just tormented her and he's really kind the whole time, but he's not a doormat. You know, mm -hmm. at, at a certain point, like I felt like he could have been more doormatish, but mm -hmm. he was not a doormat at all. He was like, I'm saying I'm sorry, I'm, gonna, I'm willing to make amends, but I'm not willing to let you, you know, run over me just because of what happened. So, again, not necessarily recommending this book to everyone, although mm -hmm. I adore Charlotte Stein. I think she pulled that off, though. For me as a reader, she pulled it off. I know it doesn't work for everybody, though. Mm -hmm. it's a, it was a, a heavy lift for her. And I respect her a lot for even pull, trying to pull it off. Yeah. But yeah, is it really bully? Because all of the meanness is before the events of this novel. Yeah, I think that's why it worked for me. I don't like the same way where I can't I can't read rape on the page. It's really hard for me to read any type of assault or force on the page because it's in my head and I can't. You know how they say mm -hmm. whatever you when people don't give you like explicit explanations and descriptions, you make it up in your head and it's the worst mm -hmm. thing for you. So mm -hmm. somebody else's worst thing is probably child's play to me. Mm -hmm. And then my worst is probably like Armageddon to somebody else. So if I get to make it up in my head, mm-mm. Another book that's Enemies to Lovers that's super popular is The Cruel Prince by Holly Black, which I read. And I, never, I haven't finished the series because it was on that line for me of being too mean. Like you are getting mm -hmm. glimpses that there's reasons and that he's not that bad, but it's literally called The Cruel Prince and it's for a reason. And so it was just, you know, it works for so many people because it's extremely popular. But for me, it was pushing right up against that line of I'm not getting quite enough of him to to really feel um, that I am secure in this relationship that I'm reading about. Would that, so that was single perspective? I think so. I can't remember now. Even, even if it wasn't, it was, uh, it must've been though. Cause I, I don't know how it would have worked otherwise, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Mm. 
And also a lot of these are slow burns. So you're, you're getting time. So this fun and game section is sort of elongated, I think, because you have to establish that they're enemies and then give them enough time to fall in love. That's and a to have, point. yeah, they have to, you know, take two steps forward, one step back or whatever, each time to get closer and closer and not let go of the thing that they thought about each other, whether it's a misunderstanding or not. I don't think that you can have insta-love necessarily. You, you can set up an insta-love where at the you know page one, they're supposed to be enemies. But it, when it happens that quickly, you lose the tension and you lose the emotional pull of I wonder the if that's rejected mate. I haven't read any of those, but maybe so. So they, a lot of times, well, I've only read a handful, but a lot of times they don't like each other or they are not in each other's orbit. They usually don't like each other. And then the mating bond snaps into place and they're like, no, no, absolutely not. So rejected, I thought rejected mate was when there's a mating bond and then you, they, your mate rejects you and then you find mm -hmm. someone else who's not your mate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And well, but then they have a new bond. There's a time. The, I'm the, extremely the, the ignorant about this. The two that I've read, there's therefore the, 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 the rejector is still in the picture. Okay. Not, and they may be in the picture trying to resist the bond, or they may be in the picture and the heroine is resisting the bond and the hero is reluctant. Either he's a hero or he is the the interest or the just the rejector is not trying to resist the bond, but they're not happy about it. So I guess I thought it was a totally different thing. So you're saying that rejected mate is, they reject the bond, but end up with that person anyway. Not always. Um, okay. I have I've read one where the 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 female rejects the male mm -hmm. who was awful awful to her mm -hmm. but he's still being pulled by the bond mm -hmm. but he doesn't wind up being the love interest but he's there the, the whole time as like an antagonist not even as an antagonist he's mm -hmm. there as an enemy he's reluctantly protecting her he's reluctantly just, just with her while she is fall actively falling in love with someone else. That sounds a little confusing. But... Yeah, that's it, it. Was confusing, but it's almost like a love. It was almost like a love triangle. So this isn't really fitting your. Yeah, no. I mean, it's also when we talk about like the formula of romance, it feels like it's rejecting so much of the quote unquote formula of romance in a lot of ways, but it's also really popular. Yeah. So. We're not the experts of this because I've, I've read one and a half books <laughs> and I've read zero. <laughs> so we're not the experts of this. Um, but, but it is interesting. It is, but there's something else that you were saying um, when you were, I'm wondering about the structure. So I'm wondering, is the, the dark moment, is that like a revelation of when they figure out we really don't dislike each other? I think it varies. I think that there are, there are different points, there are different kind of turning points with, you know, different books. Usually before the dark moment, they have realized this. They've consummated the relationship in some way. They found each other. And then you can have a traditional dark moment uh, with like a fantasy a romance or even a paranormal where there's some sort of external thing pulling them apart. I think in, what was the, the dark moment of the hating game? Um, they go to the wedding. It's when it's at the wedding. 
No, actually it's not. It's after that. So the dark moment of the hating game is they're fighting for the same promotion and she overhears him talking to his boss and she thinks that it's all been a lie. You know, they've had sex at this point. They've, you know, I think he's actually said that he loved her at this point, at least in the movie, which is the most recent version I've seen. (laughs) And so she's like, could he have just been gaslighting me this whole time so I don't get this promotion? And so that seems to be pretty consistent where you kind of have to get to a further point in the relationship, then something drags them back into believing, oh, he's actually an enemy after all. Yeah. I couldn't trust him. I was wrong to trust him. Then the third act is about you know bringing them back together again. So just to recap that, the thesis is we hate each other. The antithesis is disproving that. Par- first part of the antithesis is disproving that the midpoint is they're together. The yeah. dark moment is something drags them back to believing the mm-hmm. thesis. Yeah. Mm. And that's actually a really powerful stru- uh, structure, I think, because it matches up with, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen mm-hmm. when you found love? The worst thing mm-hmm. is it it's being lost. Away, yeah. yeah. And it's more intense than just your traditional dark moment breakup because it really puts them emotionally back where they were it puts them it, it affects their internal arc their internal change arc that where that where they have been growing together and if you rip them back apart again i think that's part of the power of it also i wonder if the woman could be the really mean aggressor or does that make her a, an unlikable heroine i'm sure that people have done it and i'm sure it can be done well i can't think of any i can't think of any either well um, that Cressley Cole one where I can't remember, you know, I don't remember the names of all the Cressley Cole ones, but it's the one with the sisters, um, where both of the sisters were both enemies to lovers, but there was one who I just remember the book opens and she comes up and she's like telling a tale to these kids and the kids are like looking at her like she's crazy and she has to go and seduce a demon king. And she and the Demon King are like mortal enemies. And she, Sabine, I think is her name. Yes, I read that yeah. one. Okay, and she Hold is on, find the name of it. mean. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's figure that part out. Kiss of the Demon King? Kiss of the Demon King. And Sabine in that she is, she's mean. She's pretty unlikable. But I liked her. And I think I liked her because she was so sassy. And that is, that is, that is an enemy. So they're true enemies to one another. Mm-hmm. But she's trying to force the marriage. For her own reasons, because she has to seduce him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. There's no reason why it can't work, but you need a lot of things in place. I wonder, could that work in a contemporary where you don't have witches and demons? Um, Because readers are, unfortunately, less willing to read about female alphas. My friend Angelina M. Lopez writes female alphas, and uh, she does it amazingly well. But there are a lot of readers out there who are not not down for it. There are a lot that are, you know, but it's just... Yeah, what is that? Milagro Street? Yes. Um, yeah, after that hours is, on Milagro Street. That is an, a female alpha. She literally, I'm not spoiling anything, but she basically jumps on that man, and it's in the sexy way. <laughs> she jumps <laughs> on that man and basically takes advantage of <laughs> in the first few chapters of the book, I was taken aback. <laughs> Angelina writes powerful women. That is her Ooh. whole purpose in life. So yeah, she's going to hit you in the face with it. 
she hit him in the face. <laughs> Which face I'm talking about is not the one on the top of his body. <laughs> yes. So either way, either gender works for our alpha. Um, but yeah, it's just the way, the care that you do it with and the, the skill and technique that you do it with. Because really, it's all about emotion. This power dynamics, it can, it can be more interesting with a woman because we're so used to seeing it with men. Yeah. Like Sabine, for example, it's refreshing when you can pull it off a character that you still like, that's really powerful and is actually mean. Mm -hmm. And brings the man to his knees. Yeah. And she doesn't stop being mean. You have a daughter smoking bone in here. Daughter smoking bone is enemies to lovers, is it not? Daughter smoking bone is enemies to lovers. I know that's one of both of our favorite books. And it might be time for a reread because it has been many years since the last time I read it. Years. And I do not remember the structure of it. The structure is different because it, well, it's YA and it's the first in a trilogy. Mm, no adult. So is it new adult? That's oh, new adult. Uh, She's in college. Oh, okay. You're right. You're right. It has about YA energy, but yeah, I think it's new adult. Um, and it's it's the first in a trilogy. So, you know, how does this change when the arc takes place over multiple books as opposed to mm -hmm. in one book? And, you know, that book ends on a cliffhanger, but they're definitely enemies and they're forbidden. And I don't think it has the same kind of structure we've been talking about, though. But my, my memory is bad. So don't quote me on that. Well, it's because it's because of how she structured that book. Like there's memory loss, well, stolen memories in that mm. book. So yeah, true. the heroine um, she thinks she is a college student somewhere in human or human somewhere in of. Eastern Europe. <laughs> I, I think it's the Czech Republic. Yeah. Okay. Or Prague. She's in Prague, yeah. and um, she works for these pretty much monsters. Is what they look like. They're like. Uh, like a, an amalgamation of different creatures chimera yeah chimera thank you and she she steals teeth she collects she steals and collects teeth are we getting into spoiler territory are we that's what, that's what she's doing in the beginning okay yeah we meet her and she's she's stealing and or collecting teeth and one of the things um that she does is when she gets these she gets paid in these trinkets that actually turn out to be wishes. Yes. Which is just the coolest thing in the world. To It's very cool. It's like, it's almost, you're, you're almost there starting to think, is this a tooth fairy retelling? Or something? <laughs> it's not. It is not a tooth fairy not retelling. Not at all. No. Um, and in the first few chapters, she starts to notice, because she's able to go through different doors. Um, and travel and she, across and travel. the world. And she starts to notice handprints on mm -hmm. the doors that she's traveling through unbeknownst to her, still in the beginning of the book, unbeknownst to her, um, who turns out to be the, her the hero of the book, is trying to destroy the link between the worlds, what allows her to travel so quickly mm -hmm. like that, to different places like that. Um, but the structure of this book is it's told in present day with her life mm -hmm. as what she thinks is a human. And it's also told in the past of who she was right that she doesn't remember how, anymore which she doesn't remember and the relationship that she had with this hero and they they're they were from two different tribe species two different sides of a war they were from right? two different sides of a war and they were true blue 
enemies and there you couldn't see any way that this was going to happen. I think, I think, yeah, you're right. At some point we need to do a reread. Um, it's so good. And I didn't finish it. I, I have didn't a finish rule. the trilogy either. Me, but, you, but here's why I didn't finish it. I didn't finish it because I am not allowed to read Lainey Taylor when I'm writing. <laughs> and I'm always writing. And you're always she writing. makes me feel and she makes me feel inferior in a good oh, yeah. way. Right? Absolutely. It's like you read Lainey Taylor and you're like, what am I doing with my life? Exactly. I can never rise to this level of amazing no. excellence. So I should quit. I should just quit. It should just and really it takes a little while. Quit. Yeah, it takes a while, a while to get to get over that feeling as a writer. She's so good. So She's yeah, the just... third book has been sitting on a shelf because I'm always writing. One day. One, One day. day. We'll so yeah, that's just the overview of Enemies to Lovers. I adore it. Um, if you are writing Enemies to Lovers, maybe this can help you infuse your work with some of the more juicy elements that we love, the tension, the intensity. Um, take a look at the the meaner of the two characters, whether it's your <laughs> hero or your heroine, and make sure they're not too mean. Um, and structuring it, yeah, structuring it so that they, you know, get to know each other, get to know the real selves, and then at a certain point, get drawn back into mm. their old perceptions of their self before they can win the day and get back together and have their happily ever after, the way we all want, mm -hmm. the way we all deserve, <laughs> right. At least in our romance novels, but in real life too. In real life too. Thank you, Leslie, for breaking that down for us. I know that is your favorite, favorite, favorite. So any recommendations that you have for enemies to lovers, you can send them on through for Leslie. <laughs> and she will happily read them all. One day. One day. <laughs> I'll add them to my infinite TBR. Who says yes. one day? Leslie reads fast. Y'all don't know. I read fast. This is true, but I still have a very long TV artist, <laughs> like we all do. Like we all do. So do we have any book recommendations to share with the folks? I actually have a nonfiction memoir crafty recommendation. I recently read Body Work by Melissa Phoebos. Um, she was a dominatrix in New York and she talks about her experiences. She has a book specifically about being a dominatrix mm -hmm. and that's a different book. I read body work is her talking about the art of writing and writing this type of fiction. And it was, excuse me, writing this type of, of, of memoir. And it was, it really gripped me. And one of my favorite things that she said, she's so, she is so witty, um, but she gives a lot of really great writing exercise examples. And she breaks down, a, she, she, the way she talks about how to write a sex scene, I think every romance writer should read, but she, um, she talks about someone was, was lamenting to her really snarkily that oh you poor thing being a lesbian you've only ever uh, you never um had anyone hit a home run <laughs> and girlfriend was like oh you poor thing having your whole sex life confined to a diamond i dropped <laughs> the book i was so <laughs> done and then i went and told everybody that i knew what this woman had said because it was brilliant <laughs> So body work. Body work. And I just finished binging. I'm currently in a book coma after the series called The Dragon of 23rd Street by Kenley Davidson. It is an urban fantasy trilogy. Um, the first book is called Dragon Chained. 
And I love her. She does fantasy romance. She does sci-fi. Now she does urban fantasy. She kind of does whatever she wants, which is something I like in an author. But this series was great. It's a, it's a young dragon shifter who believes that she's broken in modern day Oklahoma City in a world where all of these different magical creatures uh, from this land called Idrian live in our world after their world was destroyed. And it's three books. It's enemies to lovers. Um, it's kind of a slow burn over the course. It is also a clean romance, which is not for everybody. But with Kelly Davidson, I barely notice because she just does so much. She's just such a good writer. And so I would I prefer steam in my books, but I don't, there's a lot of a lot of books that I read that are actually clean and I don't mind it if they're done well. So highly recommend it if you are interested. That sounds awesome. So anything going on in Leslie World that we need to know about? Just the writing. Writing is always happening. As we record this, NaNoWriMo is starting, so I'm hoping to get a lot of words in. And I will be holding a revision course in January 2024 to go along with the course that I have now, which is called Imaginary World Building. It is on fictional world building for fiction writers, and it's a self-paced course, but we are actually doing a live cohort in January as well. So whether you are interested in revising or interested in improving your world building, you can check out my course and my other podcast at myimaginaryfriends.net. What about you, Ines? I finished a book today and my ritual, because yeah, this happens a lot for me. So my ritual is I get to go to Michael's and get any pen, sticker, craft notebook, whatever I want. That's how I treat myself. And um, yeah, if we ever turn the video on, you'd see that I basically live in a craft store. <laughs> I have no space, but I have to celebrate. There was a time in my authorly life where I would finish a book and then I would just immediately start the next book. But mm -hmm. now I treat myself and it's a silly thing, but I love craft supplies. Like it, if I have the chance, if I'm in the grocery store, I go by the school supply aisle. I don't need anything. It just makes me feel really good. If I need a pick me up, I go to Staples and just walk around. <laughs> I love organizing and I love organizational anything so yes so i'm gonna go to michael's to celebrate that but if you would like to learn how to write a book in 21 days you can take up take my patient or pacing course um at ineswrites.com forward slash ptp for patient or pacing and you can also start to find out more about my program that i'm starting in january called four books a year which not only teaches you how to structure a book how to write a book, but it also teaches you how to market the books because that is necessary so that you can feed yourself and get yourself craft supplies so that you can <laughs> write the next book. You can live in Michaels and Staples if you want to. That Leslie, they're hiring. Every time <laughs> I go in there, I'm like, don't oh, get a discount. Do it. <laughs> a few hours a week, get your discount. I get it. I get it. I love Staples as well. <sighs> So next time we are going to be diving into the third book in the Side Changing series, which is Caressed by Ice. Check out our schedule on our website to make sure that you are following along. If you are reading with us, we would love for you to be steeped in this reread or reading it for the first time with us. So thank you guys so much for joining us and let us know what you think. You can leave a comment on YouTube with your thoughts on this episode. We'd love it if you shared it with a friend who loves romance and paranormal romance. And you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And check out our website, inkandmagic.net. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.